Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. 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 Good morning. Ah, yeah. Today, you all, first service too, sound wide awake. It's awesome. You sound wide awake, ready to go. Um, I don't know about you, but when I go to church on Sunday morning, I don't want it to just be out of routine and out of I'm doing a duty to check off the box that I went to church. But when I come to church on Sunday mornings, and I know many of you feel the same way, I, I want to hear from God. How many about, how about you guys? I, I want to meet with the Lord. I want to hear from God, uh, what he has for me, uh, for my family, come on for my next week that I'm going into. And so I believe that um, God has something great in store for every one of us this morning. And I also believe this. I believe that you're not here by mistake. Uh, you're not here just because somebody brought you today or someone invited you. I believe that God has a wonderful plan for your life. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. I believe that. Um, turn, with, turn with me to Genesis 37. Um, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, dive into the second message in our Detours and Delays series. And our amazing ushers, thank you guys, um, have paper notes. So if you... Uh, Want to take paper notes, notes on paper, you can do that. Just slip up your hand, they'll get that to you. Or you can text the word app to our Canvas number and uh, download our Canvas Church SD app. And uh, the notes are available on there as well. Uh, but Genesis 37, we're going to start reading in verse 2, taking a look at uh, the life of Joseph throughout this series. And it says here in verse 2, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flock. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. A beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. In verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more than ever. So they hated him already. But then he comes and starts boasting about his dream. And it's like a whole nother level of hatred here. All right. Um, it says this. He says, listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. And there's an exclamation point there. His brothers responded, so you think that you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Verse 9. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again he told his brothers about it. Listen, listen. I've had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told his dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? 
But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. After this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. And when they had been gone for some time, Jacob, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So I want you to go and spy and tattle on your brothers again, all right? So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When they arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for, he said. He asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Let's pray. Well, we just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to gather together to worship you and to receive your word this morning. And God, we just lean in. God, we lean into your word today. God, pray that you administer each and every one of us in the way that only you can. Um, God, let us leave this place encouraged, challenged, built up in our faith. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen, amen, amen. As the, as the passages continue and as we continue reading, we see that Joseph's brothers don't kill him. Um, instead, they decide, you know what, we're going to sell him into slavery. So they sell him into slavery. He gets taken. Um, he's a slave in Potiphar's house, um, serving in that household. And then he gets accused and gets thrown into prison. While he's in prison, he's there for quite a while, um, interprets some dreams of some individuals. After interpreting those dreams of those individuals, he's forgotten about for a couple more years. Um, and then eventually, Joseph is brought to a place of prominence in Egypt and rules over Egypt, second only into command of Pharaoh, okay? Um, and so he's, he goes through quite a journey. Um, but one of the things that Pastor Ben mentioned last week about Joseph is we see here in Scripture that he was 17 years old at the time that he, he has these two dreams. But in Genesis 41, as we fast forward, verse 46 tells us that he was 30 years old by the time he stood before Pharaoh. So quite some time took place in between the time that he received the dream and the time of the fulfillment of that dream. And so I want to encourage you here today, if there are some of you that you feel that God has given you a dream, um, don't give up on the dream. Can I encourage you this morning? Um, some of you feel like you've got a God dream that God dropped in your heart, um, and, and maybe it's been a, a few months, maybe it's been a few years, maybe it's been a couple decades. Um, don't give up on that dream. Um, God, when God speaks, God's not a man that he should lie, son a man that he should repent. If God said it, he's going to bring it to pass. Amen? Um, so uh, we see that God spoke some things in a dream to Joseph, and it took quite a while before that came to pass. Um, but we also see... In this passage, and also last week, Pastor Ben mentioned, um, we see a bit of a dysfunctional family here. Um, Joseph is, is, he comes from a dysfunctional family. He's one of 12 brothers. Um, he's, uh, we see 
that there are four mothers. Um, we see that his brothers hate him. They're very jealous of him. Um, he's got the favor of his father, but that favor comes at a cost. Um, he's, he's disliked by his, by his siblings. Um, he gets the fancy coat. He gets the, the fancy clothes. Um, and he also gets to tattle on his brothers, be the spy. Um, while all of his brothers are out working hard in the field, he's clearly not. He's back at home. Um, and so there's some jealousy there. Um, and in my Bible, the way that Joseph handles his situation um, is with a bit of pride. Um, he is, he's quite happy. If we look at it, it you know, as a 17-year-old young man, Joseph is living his dream. Man, he's living it up. He's got it made. Um, he's got the nice clothes. He's got the favor of his dad. Um, he's, he's, he's not the one out in the pasture working really hard, but he's the one that gets to go out, see what everybody's doing, come back and tell on him. So he's living it up. Um, he's comfortable. He's got it made. But what we begin to see is that God is more concerned about our character than he is about our comfort. And God was more concerned about Joseph's character than he was about his comfort. Um, and his character, we see, had some issues. There were some things that needed to be worked out of Joseph before he was to be brought to this place of command in Egypt. Um, and, and one of the things Pastor Ben also talked about last week is that the dream that Joseph received was not his destiny. The dream wasn't the destiny. His destiny was to, to help feed multitudes. His destiny was to be used by God to save thousands and thousands and thousands of people in two different nations. His destiny was that, but the dream, the dream would just be a catalyst to his destiny. But his pride began to determine the path. How many of you have heard the saying that the shortest distance from point A to point B is what? A straight line. <laughs> yeah. It's a straight line. We all, we all want to always, we all want to go the shortest path, right? The quickest way to get to our destination. Um, it's the shortest path. When, when we hop in our car and we punch in the address wherever we're going, because none of us, I mean, at least not, none of us in my household go anywhere without punching the address. Um, we pump, punch it in. Why? Not because we don't know how to get there, but we want to know the quickest way to get there, right? We want to know the fastest route. And the fastest route from point A to point B is often that straight line. But pride will cause delays and detours on the path toward our destiny. It's just reality. Pride will cause delays and detours. Um, have, you ever, have you ever hopped in the car um, to maybe go get coffee with a friend? And you're driving, driving down, let's say the 78. Because we love the beloved 78, don't we? And you're driving, you're cruising, you left in plenty of time, you know where you're going and you know how long it takes to get there and you're driving along and all of a sudden you're cruising. Let's say 75. I mean, we all know it's probably more like 80 in, in California. Um, but but you're, you're cruising and then all of a sudden brake lights everywhere. Where do these cars come from, Right? Brake lights, and then you're going along, and next thing you see the beloved orange detour sign. <laughs> Stinking devil! Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would remove these cars from my path and make a way for me to get. And we start praying, 
that God would remove all the vehicles from our past so that we could get to our coffee date just in time because this has to be the devil blocking our way from getting there, right? Because, you know, this, this detour, where'd that come from? I mean, of course this would happen. Of course this would happen to me. And we're so focused on us and us getting to our destination in time, we fail to realize that there are actually a whole lot of other people in the world and a whole lot of other drivers on the 78 and a whole lot of other people that if there wasn't a detour sign, they'd drive straight into a sinkhole. But yet we're so concerned thinking this is about me hindering me from getting my copy with my friend. And we're giving the devil credit for something he had nothing to do with. I think sometimes as Christians we... We get all up in arms thinking that, man, something's not working out the way I thought. This must be the devil. Like, no, you're not the only one in the world, right? Could it be that God's actually given some people some wisdom and said, maybe that's not safe for them to go that way? Maybe to save lives. We should put up a detour sign and reroute some people. But sometimes we get so focused on us and our path and our journey, and we think it's all about us, we fail to realize that there's a bigger plan. There's, there's something greater taking place. And here's Joseph, and his response to the dream is like, oh, yeah. All their bundles are bowing down to me. He's like, yeah. He's all focused on him rather than looking at why in the world would all of my brothers bow to me? Why God would, why God would my mom and dad bow to me? What? You see the difference there? It was they hated him for his dreams, but they hated him for the way that he talked about his dreams. It was the way that he, it was his focus. It was the pride. Because for Joseph, it was like, oh, you're going to bow to me. You're treating me like it's not my fault dad favors me. I didn't ask for the favor. I didn't ask for the coat. And he's so focused that rather than saying, man, why in the world? Why would that happen? Sometimes we can get caught up in pride. It can be a detour because God cares about our character. Because our character determines our destiny. We're going to look at this a little bit later, but our character. And, and God, let's clarify this, did not throw Joseph in a pit. God did not do harm to Joseph. God does not do harm. He does not bring evil upon people. Clarify that. But it was his pride that took him on a detour into the pit. Proverbs 16, 18 says this. It says, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall into a pit, Joseph. Obviously, it doesn't say that last part. But pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. And we actually see that this isn't the only time that we see some pride delaying or detouring Joseph. 
as we fast forward in the scriptures and in his journey in Genesis 40, when he is in prison, he's there in prison and there's a baker and there's a cupbearer that are in prison with him and they have some dreams. And when, when they begin to, ex when Joseph hears about this and they're all upset and don't understand what's going on, um, they come to him and they reply to Joseph in verse 8 and it says, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. And this is what Joseph says. And we, we get a glimmer of hope thinking, man, he's conquered this pride issue. He says, interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied, but go ahead and tell me your dreams. So we see him there's a, there's a shift. He's, he's, can you imagine, you know, you had a dream and you ended up in a pit and then sold into slavery and now you're in prison. I imagine that he's thinking, I'm not, gonna, I'm going to leave the interpretation up to God because I, you know. And so we, we see a glimmer of hope that there's been some work in, in Joseph's life. But then moments later, just a few verses after that in verse 14, he says this to them. He says, and please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention to me, mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews. And now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Now, correct, he did nothing to deserve being in prison at that moment. But we, he wasn't kidnapped. He was actually sold by his brothers into slavery. So here he is, like, I did nothing to deserve this. Oh, and he's, we're like, okay. It was two more years in prison after this moment. Another two years. He's there. Genesis 41, 16. It wasn't, it wasn't time. It wasn't the right time yet for God to bring him into that place and that position, right? And that delay, God allowed that delay to happen and character continue to be formed in Joseph. And then we see in Genesis 41, 16, his reply now to Pharaoh. He's now out of prison and Pharaoh's had a dream. And his reply to Pharaoh is, it is beyond my power to do this. They're wanting him to interpret Pharaoh's dream and he's like, it's beyond my power. I've learned my lesson beyond my power, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So we see that, that Joseph's journey and the working of pride out of his life, it's not, it's not a one-time thing. Like all of a sudden, oh, we conquered it. I'm good. The reality in life is we're all going to deal with pride at some point, at many points in our life, opportunities to just look at me, my, I, and focus here um, and opportunities that God's going to allow us to get that worked out of our lives. Let's take a look at a few scriptures here. Proverbs 11, verse 2 said, pride, says, pride leads to disgrace, but humility comes with wisdom. Pride leads to disgrace, but humility comes, but with humility comes wisdom. And then Proverbs 13, 10, pride leads to conflict with your brothers, Joseph. Those who take advice are wise. Proverbs 29, 13. Pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. And then James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, 
but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That is why God is not willing to allow us to continue on with pride in our lives because he opposes those of the proud. Pride hinders us in our relationship with the Father. And he's so good and he's so loving. He's like, ah, let's work, work, let's work on that. I don't want to oppose you. I want to give grace. And we're all going to struggle with pride one way or another. Let's take a look at a few things here. Pride focuses on the failures of others. Rather than on our own shortcomings. It focuses on the failures of others. Pride is self-righteous, overly critical, and fault-finding. Pride looks at your life through a telescope and others' lives through a microscope. I see that tiny little speck. And I've got a big old beam sticking out of my eye. Pride makes you the judge of who is truly proud and humble rather, rather than allowing God, God, you're the judge. I'm not the judge of anyone else's heart. I'm not the judge of their motives. Pride makes you believe everyone is privileged to have you involved in that ministry. And if I wasn't involved in this ministry, it just wouldn't work. They're just lucky I'm here. I learned a long time ago, God's church is going to continue on whether I'm here or not. Because he's building his church, not me. I'm just, I'm just blessed that I get to be a part of what he's doing. Amen. Amen. But pride can get us that place of just feeling like they, 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 they're lucky to have me. And to overcome pride, to overcome the pride detours and the pride delays in our life, we must humble ourselves. And understand this, we, we, can't, we can't think that, that humility is something that we can pray for. Okay, humility isn't something that we can pray for and go into times of daily saying, Jesus, help me to be humble today. Jesus, help me to have a humble heart. Jesus, um, you know, whatever it might be, however you might pray for that. Humility isn't something that we can pray for. Hum humbling ourselves is an act that we choose. We choose to humble ourselves. The Bible says in James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up and and we'll start concluding in a few minutes. But it, it makes it clear here that hum, we humble ourselves. It's a choice that we make. It isn't something that we can pray for. It isn't a gift of the Spirit. I've been given the gift of humility. No, there's no gift of the Spirit called humility. We humble ourselves. It's a choice. It's an act of our will. And sometimes people think that humility is thinking less of yourself. 
rather than thinking of myself as, oh, I'm all that, I, I have to think of myself as just little and I'm nothing, and that's what humility is. No, humility is actually just thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less and thinking of others more thinking about the Lord, thinking about God's plan for my life rather than my plan and my agenda and my this and I've got my coffee date that I have to get to and all of these people on the road need to get out of the way. Humility is simply thinking of yourself less, but how in the world do we humble ourselves? How do we do it? Because it, it, our sinful nature is just, in our sinful nature, we're gonna be self-centered and, and focused on me, my, I, on us. So how do I come to that place of daily walking in humility? Well, first of all, remembering where we came from. Remembering where we came from keeps us humble. Remembering the family that I came from, man, remembering the, the sin and the, the issues I had in my life and God was so good and so gracious and he forgave me and I am only here today by the grace and the mercy of God. Remembering where we came from will keep us humble. Knowing our past keeps us from walking in pride. I am not all that. Except by the grace of God I'd be in prison with Joseph, right? And then going into the presence of our creator and the sustainer of life, the creator of the universe, going into his presence every single day in prayer. Now that can sound so overwhelming, but it can be two minutes on your drive to work saying, God, I'm late. I hope there aren't any detours, but I just need to come and today just say that I need you in my life because without you, I can do nothing, but with you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Daily going into the presence of the creator and the sustainer of life gives us perspective. We realize that he is so great, he is so mighty, he is so big, and I am so small. I'm just dust, I'm just, man, my life is like a, a, it's like a vapor. I'm just, I'm here and then I'm gone. But man, God is good and he, he, he's so loving and he's so great and he's so mighty. The things I can't do, he can do. Getting into his presence daily and diving into the word and reading the scripture and realizing that this life is so much more than about what I, my plans and my agenda and my coffee dates and, and this, it's, it's so much bigger. There's so much more to this life. We realize that when we go into the presence of God and we, we pray and we read the scriptures, when we read the Bible and those of us that are doing the, 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 the devotional the, on Joseph's life, now we realize that, that, that even this moment, this journey that Joseph is on, starting with his dream that's just a catalyst to his destiny, leading to the pit and into the Potiphar's house and into the jail and ultimately in second command in Egypt, it was all part of the even bigger plan. It wasn't just about saving just the, the, the people of that day and that time. It actually goes back to the promise that God made to Abraham. 
his father in the faith, his great-grandfather, it goes way back to Abraham. And in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, And the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And as we read through Genesis, we begin to see how, how God is working that, that word and that promise that he made to Abraham through his sons, through Isaac and through Jacob, and now through Jacob's sons, who later become the 12 tribes of Israel. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just amazing what God does. And as we look at this, we see that here in this passage, this moment when Joseph becomes second command and there's a famine happening in the land and the famine threatens to, to kill everyone. That this promise that God made to Abraham, God used Joseph to preserve the word and the promise that he made to Abraham. To bless the multitudes, to save all of these people and to preserve Abraham's genealogy and we see that as we read through the scriptures because we have Genesis all the way through Revelation they didn't have that back then we get to see the whole thing we actually see that Joseph in the Bible is a type of Christ his life prophetically points to Jesus and there's correlations and we'll probably get to that as we continue in our series but his life points to Jesus and what Christ would do on the cross and when he would be rejected and when he would choose to become low as a slave and he would die on the cross to save many. It pointed to Jesus. His life was so much more than about his brothers and his mom and dad bowing down to him. And could I propose to you today that your life is about so much more than what you see and what you realize right now? Some of us need to take off the earthly lens in which we are seeing through and put on a heavenly, eternal lens. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And we get to partner with heaven to see God's plan and God's destiny come to pass, not just for us, but for others. God puts you at the job place that you're in and the family that you're in in the neighborhood that you're in, next to the neighbors that you're next to for a purpose and a plan that's far greater than anything that you and I could realize in this moment. Could it be? Could it be that the promises that are yet to be fulfilled? Do you know that there are promises that God has made in his word about the second coming of Christ and things that would happen? Could it be? The Bible says that God's coming back Christ is gonna come back for his pure, spotless bride. Could it be that he would choose us to be a part of his grand plan? Could it be that God might use you and me to help people in Escondido realize that God loves them? God's got a purpose and a plan for their lives? Could it be that you might actually be on a detour and a delay because God's working on your character? Because there's going to be a moment where God elevates you, puts you in a position of influence over those children that you're going to have, 
over those employees that you're going to have one day. And God wants to put you in position of influence, not for your sake and for your gain, but for his glory. Could it be? Some of us, you just need to know that this life is so much more than about waking up in the morning so that you can go to work, so that you can get paid, so that you can go to bed, so you wake up the next morning, go to work, so you can get paid, so you can pay the mortgage or the rent, so that you can go to work, so you can get paid. There's so much more. The Bible says that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. God has a plan, and His plan is to be in relationship with His creation. And there are so many people in your life and in my life that don't know him yet. Could it be that God has us in their lives for a purpose far greater than anything that we could imagine? And we get the opportunity to partner with heaven. Joseph said this in Genesis 50, verse 20, as he's talking to his brothers. And he's standing there as they're bowing down to him. And as he looks back on the course of his life, he looks at them and says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph understood in that moment God didn't bring me here so that people could bow down to me. God brought me here so that many lives could be saved. Did God bring you to your workplace so you could get a paycheck? Or did God bring you there because there's that coworker that is feeling hopeless and broken and God wants to use you to give them hope? the dreams and some of us might be thinking man I don't have big dreams like (laughs) Joseph had these big dreams and bowing down and that seems really big my dream is just to to be a dad one day can I tell you that God's got an eternal plan with that the dream to be a dad to raise children to know the heavenly father that they could share with others, know the hope that is found in him? Could it be that that dream that you have in your heart to be a teacher is so much more than about teaching kids math, but it's about being an example so that they might see Christ in you, the hope of glory? Could it be that that dream to start that business isn't just about God providing for your needs and providing a future for your family, but could it be that God's gonna bring wealth to you so that he can fund the kingdom? Could it be? Could it be that that dream to travel and see all those sites and be in those different nations is more than just about getting pictures for social media? Could it be that there are people in other nations that could be blessed and experience the love and the grace and the hope that is found in Jesus through your life? I believe that that there are some dreams that God has given to you in this room. 
And maybe you're here today and you've been so focused thinking that that dream is about you or that dream is about your family or that dream is, is just is focused on your lifetime. I believe that God wants to expand your understanding this morning to see from an earthly perspective to an eternal heavenly perspective. Yes, many of you, those dreams God has placed in your heart. And yes, you get to be a part of it. And you're gonna, you're gonna have a blast walking in the fulfillment of those dreams, but it's not just about you. There's eternity at stake. There are lives that are gonna be saved. Can you imagine it? And I can tell you today that there is nothing more fulfilling than partnering with heaven and realizing the dreams that God has given me are so much more than about me, that I get to be used by God to impact the lives around me, to impact my children. Man, there's so much more. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And pride will hinder us, delay us, detour us from walking in the fulfillment of the dreams that God has given. But as we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and daily choosing to get into the presence of the creator, we see that man, he's so big and he's so great and he's got great plans and I'm just honored and blessed to be here. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow after me. Would you just stand to your feet this morning as we close? And maybe you're here today and you might be here today frustrated because there are some things that, that you aren't seeing come to pass in your life. There's some dreams, there's some things, and there's just been a lot of delays and detours, and, and you're just not, you're just frustrated, and you've kind of given up on them, put them on the back burner, um, maybe even given up on God. there's a reason why you're here this morning and God wants to bring back to your mind the dreams that he's placed in your heart and as you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God I believe that he's going to revive those dreams he's going to begin to show you the path the next step to take to walk in the fulfillment of the dreams there's somebody here today that there's some dreams in your heart and and God is just wanting to put on the, the eternal lens today. I believe that you're going to, there's some people here today that you're going to leave with a greater heavenly perspective on the things that God has placed on your heart to do. There are some business owners here today that you're going you're gonna to leave today with, man, you're going to leave today with a heavenly mission as you walk in the fulfillment of the, the things that God's spoken to you. And I believe that there are also some here today that, man, you know that you just need to humble yourself today. 
So with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, um, God's given me some dreams and I just, I'm, I'm getting that heavenly perspective today. I'm, I'm starting to see, I'm starting to understand that there's more to this than what I've been seeing in the natural. Um, and that's you, can you just shoot your hand up this morning so I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else, yeah. Um, you're here this morning and, and um, man, maybe you've never accepted Jesus into your life or maybe you have in the past and you've just been far from God. You've, you've, just, you've, you've just been far from relationship with him. Maybe you've given up on some things because of circumstances and you just need to make some things right with Jesus. You need to choose to say, I'm gonna humble myself. I'm gonna pick up my cross. Um, I want to follow Christ. I want his plan for my life. And that's you this morning. Can you just shoot your hand up in the air so I know who I'm praying for? Anybody here? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. All right, we're, we're going to pray this together because um, here at Canvas, we never, um, you know, we don't believe that we're meant to be on this faith journey alone, but we, we're on it together. Um, so uh, we're going to pray for those that just need to, to um, just ask Christ back into their life, humble themselves this morning. So let's pray this together as a church community. Will you join with me and just repeat after me? Say, Jesus, I come to you today. And I choose to humble myself. Forgive me for pride. Forgive me for the sin in my life. Jesus, I make you the leader of my life. Jesus, I want to follow after you. Jesus, I choose today to take up my cross. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for coming to give me life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for every single individual here this morning. God, those that raised their hands today, God, those that didn't. And Lord, I pray, God, for those that raised their hands and said, I believe that God's giving me an eternal perspective of my life and the plans and the destiny and the, the dreams that he's placed in my heart. God, I pray that as they leave this morning, God, for those business owners, those 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 moms and those dads, those those um, students, God, those, uh, those employees, God, as they leave today, God, I pray that they would see with the lens of eternity, God, that they would begin to see where they're at, why they're there, and they would have an eternal understanding and perspective that, God, you begin to reveal to them the path that they're on and begin to show them the way. Lord, I thank you that, God, as we choose to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that in due time, in due season, you'll lift us up, God. You'll bring to pass all of the dreams that you've put into our lives. Lord, we love you. We honor you this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. Man, God is good. Um, as we conclude this morning, um, thank you for allowing me to go a little bit over time here this morning, but our altar is going to be open here. Some of our small group leaders, pastors are going to be up here at the front. We would love to join with you in prayer. If you responded for any of those and you'd like some additional prayer, we'd love to pray with you. As Pastor Ben mentioned early in the service, if you're in need of a miracle, um, whether it's a, a physical miracle, financial, relational, whatever it may be, we would love to pray for you. We believe that God is a big God. Nothing's impossible for him. Amen. So we'd love to partner with you in prayer. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. And our altars will be open.